Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we've got a great guest today. We love this woman, and she is the director of the Compassionate Friends, executive director, Debbie Rambus. We want to talk to people about trauma response and some of the things that Compassionate Friends has done, which are amazing. So you want to introduce our guest, Heidi? Sure, I would. I'd love to. Like you said, Mom, Debbie Rambus is the executive director for the Compassionate Friends. I know her well because I served on the National Board of Directors with her. She was a National Board of Directors for the Compassionate Friends. She served on that board. Um, she has done just about every role you can imagine at Compassionate Friends, and I'm just going to touch on a few. She's a former chapter leader. She started a chapter in Savannah, Georgia. She has been a regional coordinator. Um, and prior to all her work with Compassionate Friends, she's spoken all over the country about grief, loss, hope, and healing. And prior to becoming the executive director, she was the project manager and communications director for the IRS. So we want to welcome you to the show, Debbie. Thank you both. I'm so glad to be here with Open to Hope again. We so love partnering with you. Yeah, it's so much fun doing it with you, and we're always pleased whenever we can see you. One of the things that Heidi didn't mention was that you were also a brief mom. Yes, and also, <laughs> and also, <laughs> also that you've been in the military. And you know, Debbie, I, I don't think that is a small thing with trauma response. And I also want to talk a little bit about that because I know that you've been involved with families who've had trauma way before any of this for years when you were in the military and your husband was in the military. Absolutely. You know, my husband spent 22 years in the Army, and, uh, you know, we saw a lot of grief and trauma throughout that 22 years, a lot of loss in communities where, you know, people weren't with their typical family and friends community. So I think that's where I first learned about community, and then that's really what Compassionate Friends is all about, is we're a community of caring individuals that have walked the path before and reach behind us to help the next person along. And uh, our mission is at the Compassionate Friends, because I uh, have a chapter and have been on the board, is uh, to give support to parents, grandparents, and siblings. You know, some people may wonder, well, what is Compassionate Friends doing at Parkland? Why are they going there just to help those 17 families or in Santa Fe to help the 10 families there? And really, you know, Compassionate Friends, we're there in the long run uh, and we're there forever for everyone. So in going to these places, we're still uh, adhering to our mission. And what many of you have felt or may have felt was that Band-Aid just being ripped away again when you hear of these losses and thinking of a parent, a grandparent, or a sibling on this journey again. So when we go to the community, you know, we used to wait for people to come to us. And I think it's important for us to be proactive, to collaborate with other organizations and help where we can, not as first responders, people that come and go, but to let people that know that we're there for the long run. Now, uh, you can be there, right, Heidi? Because there are a lot of chapters. How do you want to talk about the chapters? Well, I like what Debbie's saying about being there in the long run because, you know, after a, a, a horrific event and after something so public as Parkland, there's a lot of people that come into communities after these kind of things. 
We saw it here in New York City after 9-11. There is a lot of people that come in and they come in for a very short period of time and then they leave. And, and once they leave and the media and everybody are gone, these families are left in, in their grief and these communities are devastated. And I love the idea of Compassionate Friends being the, there for the long run for bereaved families because mm -hmm. they'll need us once everybody is gone. Um, and there, yeah, and there are how many chapters, Debbie, 600? Yes, we, ha we have over 600 chapters now. And I think an important part of that is what you were saying, Heidi, of us going there is that people are able to see, I've lost a son. Uh, Gloria, you've lost a son. Heidi, you lost a brother. To be able to see people that are still standing mm -hmm. and to give them some hope. Uh, so that's, you know, they'll get their professional help. We are part of that community, but I think it's really important for them to see examples of our local chapters and anyone that's willing and able to come in and give that little glimmer of hope for them. We have about three chapters in that area because as you know that area is kind of a sprawling metropolitan area so we have some in Miami we've got some north of Miami we've got some to the west uh, and an easy way to find out if you're not already in Compassionate Friends is going on our website uh, and if you go to Compassionate Friends org there is something called a chapter locator and when you click on that chapter locator all you have to do is put your zip code in and it's going to tell you the location of the nearest chapters to you so it's a really easy tool to use uh, if you don't want to go online you can simply call and our number is 877 nine six nine zero zero one zero and uh, the individuals that answer the phone will be happy to connect you with the chapter as well as we have an online community you know maybe it's not for you going talking face to face in a small group setting we've got lots of online presence as well i wanted to get down a little bit to if you have a trauma personally and i was saying to debbie and we were green and heidi earlier that the first person that you need to take care of is you right debbie you need to assess whether it's a trigger you know what stop and take a breath when you hear about a trauma when you see it on the news or if you're in the neighborhood you know you need to stop and assess right absolutely you know sometimes you'll be feeling you know what's wrong things are are just kind of not in sync today and then you think oh i heard on the news about an accident or i heard on the news about an individual lost to cancer so sometimes it doesn't have to be a, a tragic event like these school shootings it can even be something small uh, just one individual involved uh, that suddenly you're kind of pulled back because you remember those feelings and uh, it's important to allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling and and realize that oh yeah this is having an impact and you know after 9-11 Heidi and I were involved in uh, working with families after 9-11 one of the things that struck me right after and I happened to been in New York, I live in California right after 9-11. And it struck me that all these therapists who lived in Manhattan were coming down to help people. And I'm like, you lived in Manhattan. 
you're, so I think sometimes we can minimize the impact of events in our own lives just because we weren't actually at ground zero. But do you think that's right, Hyde? Well, yeah, and I think that uh, one of the things that I, yes, that I loved about working with 9-11 is that I wasn't here that day and I didn't have a story. Because like you said, I mean, when you were here, you had a story and, and anyone that's in a community that has had a devastating loss doesn't have to be personally impacted. They, was, they could still have secondary trauma. Just by the virtue of the fact that, that all these kids at Parkland died, the, the whole community has been impacted mm -hmm. you know, in some way. Which is, which is why, again, I love Compassionate Friends, because the chapter leaders, they have their steering committees that's so well organized. They have their regional representatives who don't live in the area that you could get in touch with. And you could also get in touch with the national office and talk to them or go online or Facebook to kind of move yourself uh, out a little bit to talk to some people who weren't there who uh, hear, can hear your story because we can't tell our story enough I think. Yeah I think that's really true and, and I think oftentimes that's minimized uh, because of people around us uh, you know it's like sometimes I still like to tell my Tony stories uh, but I can see sometimes you know my friends that haven't experienced this this type of loss, uh, they kind of like, you can see them almost backing up. Uh, so it's important to find that community and Compassionate Friends is a community where you can tell that story and people get it. And it's okay to tell it over and over because really, you know, we've lost major life assumptions about safety and security and you know my kids going to school is they're going to be okay you know so you're mm -hmm. trying to rebalance again and sometimes you think is what I'm thinking crazy uh, so it's nice to talk to others that may be a little further along that they can say you know I felt that too and it's okay Debbie, I wanted to ask you um, you went to both uh, Parkland and Santa Fe Texas um and what what was your thought what what did you feel like people need and i think you know initially of course everyone's grief is individual however i think people need space and i think that the communities are learning to protect each other you know protect each other from outsiders if you will people trying to you know everyone in the world is interested but it's your grief and it's quite a different thing when you have to grieve publicly as opposed to being able to go in your house and the whole world not knowing what's going on i mean there can be good and bad in both so i think initially people just need to you know be heard to have a gentle hug uh to have a friend or neighbor there uh to say you know not let me know if you need something, but rather I'm gonna bring you over dinner on Tuesday night. I just wanted you to know in case you were planning something, it's the type of dinner that can be put in the refrigerator. Or you could say, I'm coming tomorrow morning uh, at 10 o'clock because I have to go to the cleaners. Uh, if you want me to take anything, I'll stop by. Otherwise, I'll just stop by and give you a hug. Uh, you really have to be kind of proactive with people because I think initially you don't know exactly what you need and oftentimes you're not going to reach out and say, I need this and I need that. 
Yeah. Heidi, what did the families tell you after 9-11? What, what was your sense? You, you didn't go, we didn't go in for six months, right? Right. So, so we, uh, as a group, stayed away for six months. And because, they, because like Debbie said, these 9-11 these families were inundated by everybody. Everybody wanted to help them. Media was all over them. There was, they had way too many people that were involved and trying to get a piece of this whole 9-11 story. And, but we waited for six months. And when we went in as a treatment team and as a, as a support, the family said, where were you? Where have you been? Why did you take so long? And we said, well, we were trying to stay away because other, you know, everybody wanted to help you. And they said, yes, but we needed you to help us navigate everybody and mm-hmm. keep the media away and keep every, because you're the ones that are going to be there for the long run. You're the ones that live in New York City and are going to stay here for 10 years, which we did. So we kind of served as a compassionate friends. We were the ones on the ground. They are like the ones that are here are the people that we most want to work with. Not, you know, not, and, and we needed help in, in keeping everybody out at bay. Give a little shout out to Barbara Sanini, who of uh, the Healing Hearts Center in Florida, because he's the one that had us come down there for a healing day. But Bob's been there for a long time. And he invited people in. I think Debbie's got it right. You've got to have a link to the community. You know, at, uh, going in is difficult for families. Absolutely. And one of the things that we do with uh, Compassionate Friends is we have what's called a crisis communication plan. And part of that plan is establishing who are local contacts so that we can support them. Uh, So immediately, you know, we were contacting our regional coordinator for the Parkland area, as well as chapter leaders. And we had calls with them and we said, what can we give you? How can we support you? Uh, They needed brochures more than they normally would need, uh, you know, for chapter meetings and other outreach events. So uh, we were, you know, feeding them what they needed. The same thing with Santa Fe. I mean, we don't have people from national office running to these places. We first contact who's there locally and we say, what can we do to help you? Las Vegas is another prime example, an excellent chapter leader there uh, that, you know, we were able to support her with brochure. She had everything handled. Uh, So sometimes, you know, it's not necessary. I love to be involved, but, but as you've all said, you know, it's who's going to be there in the long run. Right. And I want to say that if you're listening to this and you are watching this and, and you're thinking, I don't have a chapter in my area. If you're 18 months out of a loss of a child, a sibling or a grandchild, you can open your own chapter of Compassionate Friends, just getting in touch with the national office. It's a wonderful organization and very rewarding to work with. So, yeah. uh, you know, another thing, uh, Mark and I started the chapter in Savannah, and what we found is that helping is healing to ourselves. So, you know, for many meetings, when we first started, it was just us and another couple, and then some other people started to come, and some more people, and it eventually grew. We made connections within our community. So, you know, even though it might just be you and another couple, that's okay because you're there and they will find you and we will help get people to you as well. Right. And 
that's the, the uh, website is fabulous for compassionate friends and they will help people find you so uh, yeah Phil and I started a chapter and we found in fellow alcohol and we found the same thing at first there were six of us or you know whatever and uh, and, and now it's an ongoing chapter but you know with loss the beauty is with groups people drop in and out with peer support groups they they don't we don't always see the same people all the time but i want to give a plug for two things that compassionate friends has before we end the show and that is everybody who's lost a sibling a child or a grandchild might consider going the second week in December to national candle lighting. Yeah. The national candle lighting, because yes. that is such a wonderful event and people are at 20 years. I'm at over 30 and you can remember your child during the holidays. And the other thing I want to give a shout out is the uh, wonderful conferences. They have a regional conference, their regional conferences, but there's also the national conference, hundreds of workshops fabulous people it's just a wonderful event so those two things if you're not going to do anything else think about going to that candle lighting and also going to the the national conference and you can also go online and look at the regional conferences we're going to be starting some online chapters so that you know we expand our online presence and maybe help those families with small children that can't always get yeah. out well debbie thank you so much for all the work you're doing and thank you so much for being on the show it's really been wonderful well, thank you again, Open to Hope, for everything that you do and for always thinking of the compassionate friends. Thanks, Debbie, and thanks for being a wonderful executive director for the compassionate friends. And Heidi and I want to thank all of you for watching this uh, YouTube today, and we hope you'll tell your friends and family about it. And Heidi and I always want to remind you, and I'm sure Debbie, that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. <laughs>